Welcome to the Jack Weston MCAT Podcast with your host, Phil. All right, welcome everybody. This is a little bit of a weird episode. This is, there's a passing of the torch, a handing of the baton. Uh, I'm trying to think of a medical version of that, removing a polyp. No, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Um, but we are at a kind of a crossroads in the podcast. And so um, you may notice that Azai is not here. And um, here shortly, I will be stepping back a little bit with the podcast and in the Jack Weston realm. But I want to welcome some some new faces that have been kind of hiding in the background, um, just kind of like, uh, I don't want to say lurking because that, that seems like not great um but the the friendly version of lurking um whatever that is um so i want to kind of introduce some people so i figure we'll start with Jaden. um Jaden, why don't you tell me a little bit about who you are and and what you're doing here hi everyone uh my name is Jaden garcia i am a head and neck surgery resident at the university of michigan um, otherwise known as ENT. My field has lots of names um, that can confuse people. But I am so excited to be on this podcast um, as a future co-host. And a little bit about me, I am originally from Utah, just north of uh, Salt Lake City. I grew up there. I went to college a little bit, 90 minutes south at Brigham Young University. Um, after college, I took off with my wife to Harvard Medical School is where I graduated from um, just a couple of months ago, I guess seven or eight months ago in um, May. And uh, during that school, I had two kids. And so, you know, that's definitely something on this podcast I think is gonna come up at some point is they're a huge part of my life and really excited to introduce them all to you at some point. Um, But I think, you know, adding that perspective of somebody having children along the way of this medical journey that all of you are on is is a good topic at some point as well. And so I'm super stoked uh, to be here. That's that like, I actually didn't know about the kids thing. And that's actually really <laughs> exciting. And I'm, I'm excited for students to be able to hear your perspective, because it can be very hard to balance your life in medical school. And so the idea that you were able to kind of like go through all that have kids, like, you know, while in med school um i don't think you're going to say oh it was a piece of cake but um i'm uh i do want to kind of like just kind of give you some kudos and i'm I'm excited honestly to hear that story about kind of like <laughs> how how you decided to balance everything there um but yeah so that's Jaden. um we also want to welcome ahmed who is also a little bit of a familiar face i feel like people have run into ahmed around the Jack Weston website, like sessions and things like that. So he might not need a complete introduction, but we're going to give him one anyway. Yeah, I mean, hey, guys, uh, maybe a familiar face, maybe not. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Ahmed Abdel Theater. I'm the director of instruction now here at Jack Weston. Uh, Have not yet had kids, so Jaden's got me beat there. Um, But I am super stoked to be here. Uh, A little bit about me. I was actually born in Egypt. Little fun fact: I moved to the United States uh, March of 2002 as my dad pursued a PhD from Purdue University. Uh, so lived in West Lafayette, Indiana, for 
about nine and a half years, finished uh, elementary school there, uh, moved to Cupertino in the Bay Area for a couple of years. And then uh, shortly thereafter, relocated actually up north to Canada. I'm about an hour west of Toronto, Ontario now. Uh, I've been here since 2013. I graduated from the University of Waterloo in my hometown where I played varsity football and varsity squash. My major was in biomedical science. Uh, and I actually just graduated, uh, similar to Jaden, but from a different degree, uh, this past spring, uh, finished my BSc and I'm currently now in a gap year pursuing, uh, an MD, uh, acceptance and hopeful next couple of weeks slash months. I'm excited to see what the future holds. Yeah. You're like, you were saying earlier that you had an interview literally yesterday, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, interview yesterday, interview coming up on Friday. So busy times, but, uh, yeah. you know, I, I was always told, you know, it's a privilege to have options and it's a privilege to have opportunities. And so I'm grateful for that. Excited, uh, mildly stressed, but as we know from psych social healthy amount or uh, an appropriate amount of stress can be healthy. So trying to find that, uh, that peak performance as one might say. Yeah. I love that. Like quick pitch for the York Dodson law, That's um, right. MCAT term, those of you who are, who are listening. Um, I do, I, I'm <laughs> a part of me is a little bit jealous. Like you're doing your interviews in a gap year that I, my interview season was a disaster um, because I was interviewing all over the place and it seemed like I had to spend like two or three days of every week out of classes and just like trying to juggle all of those at the same time. Um, and, I, I see you nodding, Jaden. I don't know if yours yes. was very similar. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, being able to like adequately handle your interviews is something. I'm excited. Like students will be able to kind of like maybe watch your journey as you kind of like go along and see themselves. Yeah. The, uh, the reason I'm giggling is yesterday was, uh, oh, an event. Uh, and so for context, I mentioned I played varsity squash in, in university, uh, during the gap year, we had a head coaching vacancy that went unfilled. And so I actually assumed that position. Um, and so this past weekend was actually our conference championship tournament. And so, uh, this medical school, uh, made it abundantly or made it explicitly clear that there would be no accommodations to the interview time, mm -hmm. which to me is just kind of silly, but hopefully, uh, none of the admissions <laughs> officers are going to be tuning into this podcast, but... <laughs> Um, in, in any case, um, it, it's kind of funny, but so in any case, we have this tournament and, you know, I'm head coach of both the men's and the women's teams at our university. So double the trouble, double the fun. Uh, and so Friday, you know, tournament kicks off. You've got two games in pool play. Uh, for, so for context, there's two pools of four top two in each pool, move on to the semis, and then from the semis into the final. So you've got three pool three pool matchups, two on the Friday, one on the Saturday, semifinals on the Saturday, finals Sunday morning. And, uh, you know, our conference is a conference of streaks. 
on the men's side is actually the longest championship streak in North American sports history. Uh, there's a school with a 40 year championship streak. Oh. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, spoiler alert, they, they didn't win yet again. Shocker. <laughs> um, but on the women's side, a more mild streak of eight years. Uh, and we've actually, we had actually assembled a team that was in a legit position to challenge them and, and did challenge them. Uh, and so Sunday morning, the gold medal matches started at 9 a.m. And this interview, ironically enough, was at the school we were playing against in this championship. <laughs> uh, started at 8 a.m. Yeah. And so uh, the night before, the emotions were high, both uh, you know the excitement and the nerves, I guess, of going for a gold medal. Our school hadn't mm -hmm. won in... Uh, since 1989, so 34 years uh, on the women's side. And um, obviously the excitement and nerves for the interview. And I don't know if I've ever moved as fast as when that final uh, question was answered, you know, sprinting over to the elevator to get down to the tournament venue. But um, it, it was a one-off sort of scenario. All the other interviews have been fairly chill maybe mm -hmm. uh not so um interwoven with other significant events but uh it was quite the weekend to say the least yeah i feel like the like maybe that one was a rough one because they knew you were the enemy and they were just trying to make your interview hard to just throw off the squash team right right they they purposefully the the, the university purposefully put the interviews on that weekend knowing what was coming yeah you yeah know what they're getting creative these days. Yeah. Who who won? They so it's, they ended up winning four three in a nail biter. Mm -hmm. uh, we had so it's funny. We ended up winning at the number one, two, and four spots in a lineup, and so each team plays seven, and it's a best of seven. Mm. And so we won three of the top four positions in the lineup, and we had some close calls. We lost. Uh, so the individual matches are best of five. Uh, we lost a 3-1 at the number three spot, and we lost a 3-2 at the number seven spot. Mm. Uh, we were actually up 2-1 in that matchup as well, so if that had gone our way, we wouldn't uh, we would have celebrating history. But uh, I think, uh, you know, that's just a microcosm of life, though. You know, sometimes you, you work tirelessly for a goal, and, uh, you know, sometimes you come up just short, and, you know, you take, you take the punch in the chin, and get back up and move on I, I i'm i think it's safe to say you know there's been a little bit of hurt over the past 24 hours with that mm -hmm. experience mainly for my players more so than for me mm -hmm. especially you know you've got graduating seniors and that was their last ride and with that comes a lot of emotions uh, i was telling my parents you know i don't know what it's like to be a parent but this feeling i have as a coach i would assume comes as close as I ever will until I become mm -hmm. if and when. And, uh, you know, I think it, it it's analogous to medicine in the sense that you feel passionate about something so much bigger than yourself and, and you, you truly want the best for those immediately around you. And, uh, you know, there will come a time, obviously, where we can come back and celebrate how close this team came to dethroning the Goliath of our league. Mm -hmm. um, 
but you know, a little bit of hurt for uh, the the seniors that missed out on that medal. But in any case, um, I love the the element of lessons from outside of medicine, applying to medicine and beyond. And I think um, that's why I'm really passionate about you know diverse experiences because I think that that's a really easy way to learn a lot about yourself, about others, and uh, it's just really rewarding. I feel like you did well on your interview is what I'm is what uh, I'm feeling <laughs> just there. Those were some good answers to a vague, broad question. Uh, you know what? I think I I settled in as it went on. You know, mm -hmm. the 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 first question or two, you know, your your mind is still, you know, a little bit on the matchup mm -hmm. that lies ahead. Um, but funny enough, I think by question five and six. You know, concise was better in more ways than one, obviously, for the interview mm -hmm. itself, but concise meant, you know, I can get down there a little bit quicker. And mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, I, in any case, you know, I could feel getting, I could feel myself getting more comfortable and the nerves sort of settling in a little bit. And um, I don't know what it is. I think there's just always, when you care about something, there's always an element of nerves. Like even, um, I mentioned playing football throughout high school and college and, you know, I started at quarterback for my high school for five years. And even in that fifth year, and so just to clarify there, in Canada, our high school uh, players have an option to take a fifth year to improve their, their recruiting stock and things like that. Mm. And so I used that opportunity to make some money, play some football. Um, and in any case, you know, even five years into my career, still got pregame jitters. And even multiple interviews into this admission cycle, still get those pre-interview jitters. And um, you know, even in tutoring, right, you see students uh, who've been prepping for six months and mm -hmm. still get those pre-exam jitters. I, you know, for anyone listening to this, like, that's okay. That's normal. And it just means you care, right? That's a good mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. It's also important, like, that practice, kind of, like, working up to it of, like, getting to 100%. the point where it kind of seems normal. You're still kind of excited, but, or jittery and just kind of, like, going through that. Um, we do have one other person who has um, been waiting patiently, and this is Eric. So I want to welcome Eric. I think I might just cede my time to Ahmed. Honestly, he has so many interesting things to say. Yeah. I'm excited to, to hear some more of these stories. And I was going to ask, I'm glad you said, was it football, like American football or football, like soccer football? Because maybe I'm just ignorant, but I don't know how Canada works very well. So I'll be, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to hear more about Canada. It sounds like you've lived a lot of places, so very cool. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I'm quite as interesting as Ahmed, but um, I've, I've lived a couple places as well. I was born uh, outside of New York City in, in northern New Jersey. Uh, and when I was a kid, my family moved to Florida, to Tallahassee, so that's where I grew up. Um, when I finished high school, I moved out to, to Utah. <clears throat> Jaden and I did undergrad at the same institutional that we we didn't really know each other until our last year when we were both interviewing for, for med school and kind of ended up doing some of the same interviews and saw each other at those places. Um, I was married during my undergrad as well. Um, and my wife and I moved to Ann Arbor and uh, I did medical school at the University of Michigan and then left Michigan. So Jaden and I like knew each other at, at, at uh, our undergraduate institution. And then I went to medical school in Michigan he went to medical school in Massachusetts and then he came to Michigan and I left Michigan. So we kind of just missed each other, which is 
a little bit unfortunate. Um, but I, I also had a couple of kids in medical school. So Jaden and I maybe are, are kind of similar in that respect. Um, I think Jaden, I think you have two little girls and I have uh, a little girl and a little boy. So it's, it's definitely busy. Uh, it's a, it's definitely a different uh, type of activity and responsibility, but, but it's been fun. And I am uh, living in Georgia right now doing a transitional year at a community hospital outside of Atlanta. And uh, in this summer, I'll move to Birmingham to do dermatology residency at UAB. So excited to get into my chosen specialty. The transitional year is kind of an interesting year. We'll probably talk about it more at some later point in another podcast, but it's like a little bit of everything and not a lot of the thing that you're actually going to be doing with your life. <laughs> so I'm actually on a dermatology rotation right now, uh, which has been awesome. Um, but we do two months at, at the institution that I'm at. We do two months of dermatology over the you know 12 month year. And it just does not feel like enough. It's been a lot of hospital medicine. And uh, I mean, it's fun. It's It's definitely fun to be a resident and to be like, really taking care of people and practicing medicine. Um, but there's a difference between, you know, practicing medicine in the generic sense of like doing a little bit of everything and practicing medicine in the sense of like really digging your, digging your teeth into that's maybe not the best choice of words, but, uh, you know, <laughs> digging into the the field of study that, that you want and field of practice that you want to, that you want to get into. So I'm excited to, to get into that. In yeah. The near yeah, I'm excited as well to just hear like some very like that's always a great field of topic is like why that specialty and going into that. Um, I feel like derm is like there's a lot of fields that have like some similarities that overlap. I feel like derm is kind of on like a weird island on itself where it doesn't have as much overlap with some of the other ones as as I feel like. Um, yeah, so I feel like it's kind I of a I don't special um I think I think I could argue against that pretty pretty effectively. Uh, like I think it's similar to radiology in that you do a lot of diagnosis with your eyes. Mm -hmm. It's similar to ENT. Like there are a lot of kind of like skin lesions in ENT. You do some skin mm -hmm. surgeries that are similar to some of the things that the ENTs do. Um, there's like a lot of overlap with. We don't, we really don't have to get into all of this, but there's a lot <laughs> of overlap with infectious disease. There's some overlap with rheumatology. Um, there's some overlap with like general pediatrics because there are a lot of pediatric rashes and kids end up yeah. with rashes more more often than adults do. And so there's like diagnostics and there's treatments and there's medicine and there's surgery. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's I feel like it's actually a really good mix of like mostly everything, which which is part of what I enjoy. Yeah, I will chime in and just say, you know, when you graduate medical school, a lot of like very common conditions, you'll feel very comfortable knowing at least how they kind of present and what to do about them. And your family members will consistently ask you questions outside of your own specialty. Mm -hmm. Hey, this is going on with my kid or, Hey, my dad's having this problem. What do you think? And <clears throat> if there are a couple of organ systems that I think most medical students even graduating medical school still feel very uncomfortable with outside of the Eric Olson's of the world it is the skin. I get pictures from family members, friends of like, Hey, what do you think this is? And outside of a melanoma 
and maybe a couple other skin cancers and like a basic rash, I'm lost. I really, I really like, don't ask me about the skin. <clears throat> don't ask me about the eyes. Yeah. You have like the heart or lung thing. I probably could triage that just fine. But it's, it's a tough system that I don't think we get a lot of exposure to in medical training. Yeah, it might be also the one that probably is most likely to get those pictures sent to you on the phone. Hey, what's this thing? What's going on with this? And it's just like, oh. I remember getting so those. You up with, you know, a dermatologist. You just have yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't want to be asking me those things right now, though. You want to <laughs> wait a few years down the line. Anytime I get a picture right now, I'm like, it's probably fine, but frankly, you should probably go see someone because yeah. I really don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, I, I've identified this as skin. That's as far as I've got. That's as far as, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I feel like I was getting a lot of those questions even when I was just like, as a first year med student, like I've been in med school for six months and my grandma calls me and like, I don't know anything. Uh, <laughs> is your arm broken? No, then you must have diabetes because those are the only two things I know. And like, <laughs> um, and so, so yeah. Um, so I'm really excited, um, being able to kind of like go into this, especially kind of talking about some of those things in med school and with residency and things like that. Um, I know that I, I've, I've shared before, but I feel like I don't want to project onto all students, but at least for myself, I definitely had kind of a tunnel vision of just like, oh, if I can get into med school and then like, what comes after that? I was like, ah, I'm not really sure. Don't need to dive in that deep. This is hard enough at this point. Just kind of like looking at, at that stage, but then being like, oh, how do I have a family? How do I manage relationships? How do I manage life? What, what specialties do I want to go into? Um, and just, I, I think that's something that probably a lot of students studying for the MCAT are probably struggling with right now, if you're listening, of just like, how, how do I juggle my real life, quote unquote, with the rest of everything that I'm doing? And I feel like that doesn't, uh, I don't want to say that that gets easier over time, but I feel like you get better at it, um, um, kind of like juggling those things, or at least once again, speaking from my own perspective. And I think a, a big thing that helped me was talking to other people about that. Um, and so I'm sure you guys will all have good insights because it seems like you're all juggling lots of of things kind of on top of on top of the medicine path. Um, yeah. So I I do kind of wonder. I know that Ahmed, you are you're kind of like in the trenches with the the MCAT stuff. Um, I just wanted to ask. Um, like how you guys, so the, 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 the other two who are a little, a little bit more senior here, um, how did your like MCAT application season kind of like all of that stuff kind of go for you? So like Jaden, what was, what was your process like of like getting into med school, um, overall? Yeah. I mean, it was a, looking back, it was a lot of work and, um, it was very stressful. I feel like we're still in the trenches. I feel like it's one thing after the next, you get into med school and then you're thinking about your step test and then it's the second one and then it's residency and like I'm taking an in-service uh, training exam, another standardized test, believe it or not, mm -hmm. uh, in a couple of weeks. And so it's just constant trying to get to the next stage. But thinking back to getting into medical school, I took the traditional pathway, or I guess maybe it's still traditional, um, 
where I didn't do a gap year. So I, I vividly remember like you, Phil, applying and trying to juggle all of these things while a senior. I think gap years tend to to lead to a little bit of burden uh, being relieved from that setting. But I took the the MCAT as I think in May of my junior year. Um, I did well. I mean, I, I believe I got a five sixteen, which at the time was like a ninety third, ninety fourth percentile. I was pretty happy with that. I didn't do very well on the SAT, ACT coming into college, so. It was like a big win for me to be fairly average so like much above average but you know it wasn't like some other people's score on this podcast that we'll soon see but um you know i i had a very well-rounded application i had good research i had very longitudinal experiences um clinically that lasted four plus years um I had, you know, really good letters, I thought, um, well-known people who actually knew me that I established those relationships with really early on in college, which I definitely advocate for. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I applied pretty broadly. I didn't know where it would land. I ended up getting interviews to almost every school I applied to. Um, I think I ended up taking 20 interviews. I think I applied to 24 and I got interviewed at 22, took the 20 interviews. Um, and then I got acceptances, I think to 19 or 20 of those schools. Um, so, you know, really successful application. And I think my favorite thing is to talk about how people can go about navigating this really process that's very challenging mm -hmm. um, and a lot of hidden information and kind of passing that on because I certainly learned a lot throughout my my tenure there trying to navigate that system and, and some things I didn't do so well. Um, mm. I ended up picking Harvard Med uh, amongst other schools. I was very interested in Johns Hopkins and Mayo Clinic and you know on a different podcast we can definitely go into how I made those decisions. Ultimately, scholarships were really important, and I ended up getting a full ride to Harvard. So, um, you know, looking back, I was, I'm very grateful. I came out of med school with much less debt than other people. Um, but I think there's a lot that people can do to improve their application when they don't even know uh, and, and get past some of those hurdles. Like I said, I didn't have a 524, and I still got into Harvard Med. I think I was like, fairly at the level of the median for the school, maybe a little bit less by like a point or so, but I was in the ballpark. Um, but I really think it was some of those other things that made me well-rounded to get in. But yeah, that was kind of my story. I'll stop talking, let Eric kind of chime <laughs> in with his. No, I, I really like that, especially you are like, there's some things I did poorly. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, yeah, I have like a big list of things. They're like, oh man, I, I really did not do well on that part. Um, I had a similar thing where I interviewed at um, like 20-ish schools and like the first five schools I interviewed at, they all rejected me pretty much immediately. And I'm like, ooh, yep. like I am just not good enough. And then I just wasn't that good at interviews. And then the last five schools got into all five of them. The first five, none of them. And like the, it was like this spectrum kind of going along. But the more interviews I did, the better I got at it. Um, luckily I had more than five, otherwise I would have been in trouble. That's a quick plug to practice your interviews. 
um, <laughs> anybody if you have not. Um, but yeah, so Eric, what about your journey? Um, it's interesting. I mean, I, I've known Jaden for a while and I don't know if I've ever heard him like lay out his, his story like that's mm-hmm. very interesting to hear on windows <laughs> um, i think my story was similar and different uh i i think i did some things i don't want to say i did some things better because i i don't know if i did but i did some things that i think maybe looked a little bit better on paper and some things that certainly did not look as good on paper as what Jaden did um, and so maybe that's kind of a learning point as well. Um, I was very dedicated to the academic side of things. Um, I did a lot of research. I did research at my home institution. I did research internships at other institutions, multiple other institutions over summer periods um, and ended up getting published in a couple of papers as well. Um, and I worked really hard in my classes. Like those were the things that I did. So I didn't really have the clinical experiences uh, maybe that Jaden have had, although, you know, I like completed the hour requirements and things. I don't think that was make or break per se, but just, you know, in the spirit of disclosure of kind of telling what, what, ha- what I did and, and what happened to me. Um, I think I had one strong letter from someone that I worked with for a long time. And then a couple of letters that were maybe not as strong. Um, and so that was kind of an interesting point. And then I think I didn't practice my interviews. <laughs> so my interviews didn't go very well. Um, I did really well in the MCAT as, as Jaden alluded to, I got a 524. And so I felt really good about that. Again, my GPA was very high. Like, I think from a numbers perspective, the things that I did were like as good as you ever probably would have hoped that you would do. And I don't say that to, you know, to my own horn or anything, but just to kind of set the stage of, of where I was at and what was going on with me. So there were some things that were weaker, some things that were stronger. I think I also applied to maybe 24 schools uh, and got interviews at, I think, I want to say 13 or 14 of them. I think I declined a couple. I think I interviewed at 12. And then I got into three. Um, so, so again, I think part of that was like, I don't think I was a very good interviewee. <laughs> and I think part of it was, you know, other holes in my application that they were maybe less excited about. I remember just as kind of an aside that uh, Jaden and I kind of compared notes as we went uh, throughout the process. And at one point he interviewed, I, if I remember correctly, I think he interviewed at Boston University and at Harvard at the same time. And I was going to say this earlier, Phil, when you were when you were talking about interviews and mm-hmm. when we were doing interviews, it was it was in person, right? It was all mm-hmm. in person. Yeah. So and and we were in Utah, and most of the schools, at least that I applied to, I think I applied to maybe maybe two in California and like nothing else on the West Coast. Everything was back east. That's where my family yeah. was. That's where most of the medical schools are. Um, and so Jaden had told me he had these interviews, and I had one at Boston University, and I said. I had applied to Harvard. I was like, ah, you know, I don't know if they'll want me, but I'm going to reach out to him. And so I sent him an email and I said, hey, I'm going to be out there. You know, my undergrad, I'm in Utah right now. So it's kind of in a position to come out to Boston. Like, do you think you could just look at my application and just let me know? Like, if if it's a no, then it's a no, that's fine. And they were like, "Um, yeah, we will get to you when we get to you. Like, thanks for reaching out. But like, we have a process for these things. I was like, okay. Went to Boston, interviewed at Boston U., came back to Utah and when I touched down and I turned my phone off of airplane mode, then I got the email. I was like, congratulations, like we're Harvard. We want to interview you. I was like, 
you have got to be kidding me. Uh-huh. Like, what are the flight prices? Like, when can I get out of class again? You know, because I had to fly all the way back out there. Yeah. And I think I was such a, I was so tight fisted that I like stayed overnight in the airport at Logan in Boston and like just didn't, I didn't get a hotel. Like, I was very bare bones about the whole interview process. Mm-hmm. So that was. I- yeah frustrating for me but part of the process you know yeah that's something that i think i definitely was not prepared for i I spent thousands of dollars on interviews Mm -hmm. like the one there was one school who offered to pay for the flight and the the lodging and it was the school that was a 20 minute drive from my house that's probably why they offered is because everyone else was like no thanks but um since i was doing md phd all of my interviews were multi-day because you'd have to interview with the phd departments and things as well and so i remember those 17 interviews turns into like like over like a month like over a month of like staying in hotels and um and different things just kind of like bouncing around through that um, I, sh- I should say, before, sorry, before you kind of take back, I will just say, you know, I I hesitate because I think the way that I've told the story makes it sound maybe like I was unhappy with the way things worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm super, super happy I went to Michigan. And I think, you know, I think that your medical school experience is kind of what you make of it. And again, like when I got into Michigan, which was early on. I think it was in September. Like I interviewed there was one of the first interview dates and they accepted me right away. And I was like, okay, it would have to be a really good offer for me to not go here Mm -hmm. because my parents were there and I was in state. uh, And it was, it was just a good, it was a good option. And I liked the school and I liked the Mm -hmm. program and people were really nice. Um, But I will say like your experience in medical school is is kind of what you make of it. And I think it's easy to say like, oh, Jaden went to Harvard. Like that's the best school in the country. And like, Mm -hmm. I wish I could have gone there. Um, but I think that no matter where you are, like if it's an MD school, if it's a DO school, if it's a state school, if it's a private school, if you're, you know, on scholarship or if you're paying $80,000 in tuition, you kind of get out of what you put into it and coming into it. I was under, I guess I was under the impression because I don't have anyone close to me who's in medicine. I kind of just thought, oh, you're going to go to medical school and like, it's just going to happen to you. And then you will come out and be a physician. You know what I mean? Um, but there are so many things in medical school that that are, I mean, just, just like your undergrad and just like preparing for the MCAT, it's kind of like as much effort as you're willing to put in and you're going to reap benefits in certain areas. And so you have to decide, you know, what's, what's important to you. Do you want to like really serve people? Is that important to you? Do you really mm-hmm. want to learn neuroanatomy like is that the thing that you want to do and is that is that what you want to get out of this and i think you can you can kind of tailor experience regardless of what school you're at and that's i guess yeah part of the beauty of like standardization among <laughs> medical education that some opportunities like have to be presented to you at any school that you're at and there is there is some degree and a, a pretty significant degree of standardization across all medical schools that allows you to develop yourself into a physician that's that's able to appropriately treat patients. And I think for as much as there are things about medical education that need to be changed, like I think that's something that's that's beautiful and, and helpful for students across the country. Yeah. Yeah. I I really like that. Also just, you know, depending on where what you want to do with your life, like what some med schools may be like saying, like, oh, this is the best med school. Like it kind of what do you want to do? Like if you want to be a uh, family medicine physician in rural Iowa, like 
the best place for Harvard you is may not, not for you may not be Harvard in Boston. Is not for you. Um, it's yeah. true. Um, on the other hand, if you just like, I just want to do research and like, then like going to a more research focused place makes a lot more sense. Kind of like going through that. Mm. Um, I also think like you, my vision was like, oh, I'll go to med school and then it'll happen to me and then I'll be a doctor. And like, it just that, that thing occurs. Um, but just kind of like thinking a little bit more about like, what is it exactly that draws me to this? What is it exactly that I like about this? And that allows you, like you said, to kind of like put in more effort in this and kind of shape your own future. Um, and I think a lot of times people underestimate that a little bit. I think I might have been a little bit more like what you were saying, Eric, is like, because I, I did the same thing as like, I was just super aggressive on the academic side. I'm like, oh, if my grades are good, then I'll get in and then I'll become a doctor and then it'll just, I'll, I'll be done. Like I'm putting in the work now and then I'll be a doctor here after I go to med school and then just kind of glaze over that in med school um, time frame. Um, but I think that that is important to kind of like realize like it's a constant pressure and growth. I always tell students that the MCAT is not like, the MCAT is a very difficult test and there's lots of stuff and it doesn't necessarily have to be that difficult for what it's testing you, but going through the MCAT helps. It's like boot camp. Like it kind of helps you learn to juggle all of these things, like an unreasonable amount of information and trying to juggle that on top of other things on top of your life. And um, I think if med schools could accept somebody without like just wave a magic wand and like what MCAT score would you get? Like, they, they don't want to do that. They want to make you actually go through it, not because they want to cause you pain, but because going through it will make you better prepared for kind of what comes after that, will make you a better medical student, um, make you a better physician in the long run. Um, but I think that that's definitely a part of it, um, kind of putting all those pieces together. Yeah, it's absolutely true. I th you know, I think, and I think it's true of pretty much everything in life that the difficult experiences are the ones that will kind of mold you into, into something that's worthwhile. Right. Like I, I used to listen to all these motivational speeches. I still do like a lot of the time, actually my favorite motivational speeches on Spotify just added advertisements. It's they're like three minutes long mm -hmm. and they added a one minute advertisement on the front end and a one minute advertisement on the back end. And I'm like, that's the I'm not going to listen to this anymore. Like I have to skip through a minute of ads on either side for a three minute video. Anyway, um, sometimes they, these, these guys will talk about like, if you think about a diamond, like, you know, you need like extreme amounts of heat and pressure to create a diamond. And that's like, that's an uncomfortable environment. And then after you've created the diamond to really like make it into something valuable, you have to cut it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like just this idea, and maybe it's like a little bit cliche, but just this idea of like, you have to, you have to go through these things and the. Oop. I think you know, we've... if you've done undergrad correctly, then you've been working really hard the whole time. Yeah. Um, but it is it is kind of a jumping off point of of lots of other hard experiences that you have that ultimately are, are to make you into something that's that's not just medical school happening to you, but it's you, you know, developing mm -hmm. and becoming something, mm -hmm. something different and something more. Yeah. And as you guys both know, like also other things happen in medical school. I really want to dive into the kids thing at some point. And I just want to hear about like family and juggling all of that because um, one of my best friends from med school, he had his first kid literally two days before the first test of med school. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I, I can't, I'm struggling just kind of getting through this process 
when I am single and I only have to worry about by myself and I can like order all my food from the, you know, like a uh, fast food or a gas station. And I'm like, I am not taking care of anything other than just schoolwork. Um, and so honestly, that may have ended up hurting me more than helping me. Turns out a good meal might've actually improved my brain power. Um, but there is, there's a lot and a part of me really wants to like dive into a lot of things, but we've been talking for a while and I'm like, I can't believe how fast time seems to go. Um, but I know that I will be looking forward to hearing some more about um, kind of your guys' journeys, what's going on with you. Um, kind of all of you guys are like in the thick of a journey um, going through that. Um, Jaden in the middle of your your residency, Eric moving for your residency and going through all that and Ahmed in the like earlier stages, but moving that way. Um, you're in a good position, Ahmed, if you can like just kind of like chat back and forth and like get some insights on what life's gonna be like. Um, yeah. I feel like that's something that I would have, I, I wished I would have, would have had um but i yeah. mean it sounds like having two kids in med school is a recipe for success so i'll, I'll keep that in mind <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. That, that's i don't know if i would write that down yeah, yeah. I, don't know. <laughs> I can still hear my kid like above my ceiling right now that you know it's there there's always just more problems anytime you like take another step in life mm -hmm. and uh it's a rewarding pathway but I think there's pros and cons to, to making each choice and I'm looking forward to exploring that more with everybody.